Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. A one, a two, a one, two, three, four. <laughs> Another beautiful day on the Victor Bravo Golf Course. The sun is shining, the birds are about, and there's a sudden pause in the crowd. Michael Michelson steps up to the tee box. 15th hole here, drivers recommended. <laughs> oh, is he a caveman? Because it's suddenly come that one. What do you reckon, George? <laughs> I mean, did he hit that with the dictionary? Because that was a terrible read. <laughs> G'day and welcome. This is Golf. Andrew Dado is my name. It's nice to be at your place, wherever you are, whether you're in the garden or the you're running, you're in the car, you're dodging work, whatever you're doing, I hope it's going well. Today, we're talking to Australian teaching professional Glenn Haynes. He's got a, a professional a playing pro background. He's played in Europe, played on the European tour. Um, he'll probably talk a bit about Russia. Not sure if he'll tell any spy stories, but it's um, it's a pretty good one. And we'll talk about his spin on the game of golf as um, the main pro at Monash Golf Club, which is on the northern beaches, and that's where we met. So we sat up in the um, in the clubhouse there, looking out over the golf course with the, um, the fairways reaching out like tendrils into the trees, lots of trees leading to very fast greens. If you've ever played at Monash, you've probably had one of the members go, oh, what a shame you weren't here when the greens were fast. And they're always fast. So um, that's part of it. But Glenn is uh, one half of Aussie Golf Pros. So you'll find them online. He's done lots of videos and he's got a a really unique spin on the game. And that's what we'll talk about today. Um, The way he sees it and the way he helps other golfers, whether they be professional or amateur, in getting their game right. I know shanking's going to come up. So if shanking's a thing for you, uh, this could be your favourite podcast. So this is Glenn Haynes. And we started where we always do as to how he got into the game of golf. My brother was given us a small set of golf clubs for Christmas present and we just went out and played golf that day. And that became a little bit of a family tradition. Christmas Day, we'd go out and play some golf. I was around 13 years old, something right. like that. Was he younger or...? He was a little bit younger. So right. I got the tennis racket and, and he got the <laughs> well, golf clubs. that's club. interesting. <laughs> yeah, right. And we obviously uh, I'd had played a little bit of tennis, but we obviously both of us got into golf in a big way. Um, and I'm the one that's stuck with it. And my brother said, no, this is too hard. And yeah. <laughs> he went to get a real job. So when did you... So if you were 13, mm-hmm. that's... I mean... 
in today's terms, that's quite late to... Oh, that was it was very late. Was it um, even late then? Back in the uh, no, I think 70s, it was soon enough. Yeah, 80s. the 80s. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Just. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, but unfortunately, I only played for about a season and then we decided to play some cricket. So right. I didn't touch a golf club for four years. So I didn't really start to play a lot till I was 17. And that's that's, that's too, really that's late. too late. Okay, yeah. so the only one I can think of off the top of my head who's like that is Grant Dodd, who started okay. playing at 17 or 18. There you go, so it's possible. And fell and fell really hard for it. Now, you played, you've played on the European tour. You've played, played a lot through... Uh, some Euro Pro Tour, Challenge yeah. Tour, played in one European Tour event, which I try to hang on to and remember. It was yeah. <laughs> a tough experience, but uh, a, a great experience nonetheless. Okay, um, so what, uh, look, why was it so tough? What was... Well, it was the Russian Open. Uh, I got, it's tough in itself. It's tough in itself. So whereabouts in Russia was it? It was Moscow. There were only, at the time, I'm trying to think what year it was, 2005, mm. something like that. Uh, there were only... One and a half golf courses in Russia at the time. In the whole so of Russia. In the whole of Russia. And this was, like, <laughs> as far as I'm aware, the only 18. It was a great golf course. Designed by? No, no idea. Yuri. So. <laughs> <laughs> but it, was, it was so tough because oh, you got a phone call like three days beforehand. I'd, I'd played some Challenge Tour events, had a couple of good finishes. And, and so when there's a spot, you know, that, yeah. that can give you a chance for an invite. So never any category there. Uh, so you have to get a visa to go to Russia. I don't mm. know what it's like now, but back then you, mm. you had to get a visa to go to Russia. So you've got to do that last minute, which is why I got to start because obviously a couple of players said, no, it's too difficult to go and get a visa. I'm busy. And but hang on, so you on. got the call three days before. Yeah, I think yeah, it was right. about three days. So you've got to book a last minute flight, uh, all accommodation. From, from the UK? From the UK, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I was based in the UK at the time and was for about 15 years. And... It was it was just tough because the travel and not knowing any of the the culture and the yeah. the, the way was it a full work. field? It was full field. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it wasn't the strongest did, did, field on tour. No, no, it doesn't matter. What were you, was, do you remember what you were playing for? The prize money was around four hundred thousand euros. Okay, five hundred thousand oh, so euros. Significant. So yeah, 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 yeah okay. absolutely, yeah. Not that I won any of it. No, no. Did you? <laughs> did you, did you and so, given that's your first European tour event. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, you would have been excited. There would have Very. been a great sense of anticipation. I have never been so nervous on a first tee yeah, in my so entire what is life. So what is that? Well, I had Ivor Robson call my name out. Right. Glenn Sorry, Hayes, who's... Representing Australia. Okay. No, famous voice, yeah. which I can't replicate. And he recently retired. He called the Open Championship for 40-something years. I oh, think. he's not Something. the one who... He's the... Ooh, the very high-pitched voice? No, 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 it's a fairly low voice. Okay, no yeah. worries. So anyway, Googling. look him up, Ivor Robson, pretty famous. And <laughs> that's that's something that all golf pros who, who play would, would love that, just okay. to have Ivor Robson call you to the first tee representing Australia. I mean, it's just my knees just went. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, but, and also to be introduced as representing Australia. Yeah. Well, clearly you're just an Australian yeah, but were you the you only know, Australian in, there? No, I'm sure I wasn't. I'd right. have to look back. I mean, okay. I'm sure I could look back, but I'm sure I wasn't. Right. Uh, it's just uh, a really eye-opening experience. Just even getting there was a huge experience. Obviously, mm. getting the visa, getting last-minute flight, getting last-minute accommodation, and then uh, arrived at the airport, and you're supposed to be able to get picked up. 
so European tour event, they, you know, they look after you. There's no one there. <laughs> There's no one from the European tour there. So, okay, no worries. I had a mobile phone. I'll get on that and contact the tour office. Couldn't get any signal whatsoever. I had <laughs> no clue. And had this taxi driver hassling me mm. saying, yeah, I take you, where do you want to go? He had some broken English. Uh, so he wanted 100 US dollars. And I look, I know it was a bit of a drive to the golf course, but <laughs> I knew he was years. trying to rip me off. Yeah, right. What's Russia? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I don't want to say that all Russians are trying to rip everyone off. <laughs> I'm sure in any sort of you know, opportunity like that where someone doesn't speak the language, I have the culture. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a target the on The same thing back, could happen it? in Barbados. Of course you know? it, like, it could happen in Victoria. So, I, But I had no choice. I mean, he's the only guy there. I, there was no way of getting a hold of the European tour or anything like that. So we, I got him down to $50. So I'm sure I probably could have got it to 25 but 50 was okay. What the scary thing was, though, we've driven out of the airport and there are boom gates and, and he's supposed to pay coming out of there. <laughs> he wasn't paying. He's floored it, swerved around the boom gates and off it. Well, I'm ducking, thinking, these guys have probably got machine guns. I don't know. Right. <laughs> so that was, yeah. So we got there in one piece in the end. And um, But it was a great experience. I, I roomed with Michael Hoey, which is a good Irish player, and I think yep. he's won on the European tour. And, uh, yeah, just a great, great experience. So what about the first T-Nerves so we all we like we've all been there. It's, yeah, yeah. It's all it's relative. Yeah, right. So obviously, it doesn't matter how good you are. Everyone can get nervous, and if you're not nervous, then you know, why? What, what are you doing there? Okay. You, 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 you want to get those juices flowing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but obviously, my first event, it was the quickest swing on the first tee that I can remember. Quick hook, and uh, yeah. Look, I managed to settle down within a couple of holes. Yeah. But it was a poor start, and look, I played pretty solidly. I missed the cut by about four shots or something like that. Okay. Shot, I think, 76, 71, something like that. So, look, the second round was a bit more balanced. Yeah. I, I got it to a couple under. Had a young uh, Russian kid caddying for me who had very good English and, and played a little bit of golf himself. So, but yeah, I loved it. So, do you, as a professional, did you beat yourself up afterwards for that first round 76 and, and go... Oh, I just should have. I should. I could have. You know all these things. Or are you not really? Um, obviously, I was disappointed yeah. to sort of play myself out of the event the first round. Mm. But no, I soaked it up. I, I loved it. And mm. obviously, at that point, a younger man thinking, "Well, okay, this is the first okay. of." So how you know, old were hopefully, you? Hopefully, uh, thirty-five. Oh, that's not a younger man. This is younger <laughs> than I am now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but it's not. In, I still in felt of, like it goal. wasn't going to be my only European tour event. Right. You know? So as as we talked about, I'm a late starter in the game. Yeah. So I was still in that position where I was only just starting to get opportunities, playing some Challenge Tour, starting to have some good results, and you know I still felt like you know, it was it was something that I wanted to do. What do you tell amateurs about the first tee now? Like, what are, do you have a process that you can... uh, pre-shot routine? Yeah, absolutely. So. To, to embrace it, to feel like, you know, if, if you are nervous, then that means that you want it, you want to be there, and that's a good thing, to, to actually try to like that feeling mm. and look for it and search for it. And, uh, yeah, but just, just focus on having the same amount of time, the same amount of time preparation for the shot, the same pre-shot routine, just to give you something to focus on rather than thinking about, right, I don't want to miss this in front of who's watching and that sort of stuff. <laughs> Did you, were you aware of the cameras there as well? Uh, not really. Uh, it wasn't one of the big high-profile high events. There were cameras around, but it wasn't the big TV towers and things like that. Yeah. So there was less of that. 
might okay. have been even more nervous as that was there. <laughs> yeah, I wonder. And and so the challenge tour, obviously, that set you up. So you, as you say, you had some good results. Yeah, there. had some good results, and then they, they you, you just put your name forward as to be available. And uh, you know, if if I hadn't been able to go, they would have just called the next guy. Yeah. And uh, yeah, obviously, I don't think if uh, I. I don't think if I'd had some decent results, like I didn't win any Challenge Tour events or anything like that, yeah. but just made a couple of good cuts, shot a couple of good scores, and so gave me the opportunity. And so was that enough for you? Do you sort of, you know... No, I would have liked to have played more <laughs> European Tour events. I don't mean Absolutely. That, yeah. I mean, yeah. of course, obviously. Yeah. But but there's some people go, look, no, it just, I, I, that was it. Like, that was, I literally got to the top of my... No, no, no. I, look, I've just turned 50. Mm. So Happy it's birthday. yeah, thanks. <laughs> Happy New Year too. Uh, I, I want to go and play some seniors tour. Yeah, events. great. Yeah, uh, if you know, senior Australian Open or something, whatever it is out there that I can go and qualify, I haven't looked into everything that's available. Mm. But I, I just entered my first uh, Legends Tour event, as it's called here in Australia. It's at Kalara. I think it's called the David Mercer Open or something like yeah, that. Yeah, okay. I won't get a start because I have no category yet because I haven't played in anything. But it's it's like a hundred thousand dollar event, and you got. Players like Ian Baker Finch and Roger Davis and Peter O'Malley, these legends of Australia, Australian golf, playing in these. Yeah. I can't wait to so, rub shoulders with these okay. guys. So, would so let, let's extrapolate forward on that. Mm. If you were nervous playing in the Russian Open, yeah, would you be nervous if you'd tee it up with a British Open winner? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, great. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so would I you- can be nervous teeing up here on the first tee at Monash sometimes. Right. Yeah. No, I love the game and and I want to perform. So okay. the difference is now that there's a lot more acceptance in my game because I, I hardly ever practice. So if if I miss the first fairway, then it's almost a okay. That's not not quite expected, but. I don't beat myself up anywhere near as much as I used to. Okay. With the no. pre-shot routine and people mm. having a pre-shot routine, is is the is the pre-shot routine slowing the game? Like the, we watch the pros on the telly and it we can watch do, their yeah. pre-shot routine and it takes – and every single golf club in the world now has amateurs. Yeah. It's a problem. Going, and it's a and it's, it's a huge problem. Yeah. But Matty Jones has a pre-shot routine. It's very quick. It's just about 15 seconds long. Yeah. Or it could be less. Mm. It's still a pre-shot routine. It's just a consistent amount of time. And that's the difference. If someone's on the first tee and they're nervous, they might take longer, which is the worst thing that you can do. Yeah. So I agree. The pre-shot routine needs to be shorter. A lot of golfers would benefit from having a shorter pre-shot routine. I had that conversation with many members here. Uh, you know, I'll go and play in a members comp here and I don't mind telling them, this is, you're doing yourself a disservice here. I just you're over the ball too long so there are too many thoughts there's too much freezing going on so and I think the same is the case for some tour pros yeah I think they could play better if quicker quicker yeah Yeah. I really do Bob Stanton had it um, he had a great line and we finished last year with um, with Bob and he said uh, three things your feet are for the earth Mm mm-hmm uh, your feet are for holding onto the earth. Your hands are for holding onto your club, and your brain is for not using. <laughs> all words to that. All words to that effect. That's brilliant. Yeah, that's very good. Yeah, it's that, easier said than done. Yeah. <laughs> so, what is the thing? Your your teaching is is definitely different, right? Mm. So you've got you the YouTube channel, yes, which is you and other pros. So mm-hmm. the name of that is the Aussie Golf Pros. Yep. Uh, I do that with a mate of mine, Steve Gannon, who I've met in the UK. Um, and we've known each other for I'm trying to think how long that is now. Uh, yeah, I guess about twenty years. 
And uh, we hit it off back in, in the UK as a couple of Aussies just you know, traveling around. We traveled a bit together and played some tournaments. And then we got to work together at Stonecutters Ridge Golf Club. Uh, that started about seven years ago. And I was dabbling with starting a couple of videos. And then we just got together and said, let's, let's put our heads together and, and get something started. So, but just before we get to that, you obviously you were taught... And you've mm-hmm. picked up things from other people. Yes. So who who influenced the way you play and then the way you actually coach? I didn't get enough coaching in my formative years in golf. Now, I could blame that as one of the reasons why I didn't actually you know, make a big success on tour. But I'm not into that blame game. It's just it is what it is. Mm. Um, the coaches that have influenced me more are ones that I've started to spend some time with as a coach. After I've turned pro, uh, players, uh, coaches like Stephen Orr, uh, Kendall McQuaid, a couple of British guys, uh, Tony Westwood, Clive Tucker. So these have, have helped shape my coaching. Uh, and Clive Tucker I had a, a lot of lessons w- with. He's a European tour coach. He coached David Howell, Graham McDowell, uh, and a few other you know, very well-known players. Yep. Uh, so he, was, he taught me a lot of the technical aspects of the golf game. Uh, the other stuff, the more alternative type of coaching, I picked up from other coaches, um, coaches like Adam Young and, uh, as I said, Stephen Orr, Kendall McQuaid, more, okay. more alternative. So what's the, what's the combination? When you say alternative, you better mm. explain what alternative because it doesn't um, – so, you, you, don't, you don't have to do it naked. Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> so a lot of coaches have this – set idea of, of yeah. how a golf swing should look right, no, so not, not let, everybody let, let me just ask you one more quick question yes are you a coach who says i see what you're doing it go it has this is the way it works this is the swing i'm going to give you this it's going to take a year but i'm going to give you a swing that you can count on is that i might have that conversation with a young guy or girl yeah. who's just starting out in the game and and developing sound fund, fundamentals and great swing technique is really, really important at that younger age. But the more often conversation I have is, okay, what happened there? Why did the ball do that? Well, you asked that question. I asked them. Oh, so how often do, does an amateur say, uh, well, Glenn, uh, obviously I came from the inside. Or, you know, like <laughs> The do, more do, common answer is, I have no idea. Yeah, of course. Because I don't know. Most yeah. of us wouldn't have a clue. Yeah, that's right. So the reason that we don't have a clue is because we've been fed a lot of technical stuff and so the typical response is they try to work out what they did technically to make the ball did what it did right whereas i'm after a much simpler answer to that so what did the club do what part of the ball they hit what was which way is the club pointing what part of the club hit the ball where did they hit the turf these simple answers and i I help them to break it down Mm. for them like that and they they might say i lifted my head or you know i overswung i said "No, no don't get too technical what did the club do to the ball <laughs> to make it do what it did? Just give, 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 give me an example. So if you go and someone hits a raging oh, well, shank, slice. Shank is, shank. This, this guy, shank is so... There's an epidemic of shanking on the North Shore. <laughs> there's an epidemic. And so it, so 50% if, of the time, the golfer doesn't know what a shank is. Okay. Is the shank a one or two millimetres off a perfect golf shot? No. Ha! <laughs> what a, what a shame. I've heard that, but oh, no. Mate, I, that's I what disagree. shankers say, you know? <laughs> okay. No, well, the myth about shanking is it doesn't come from anywhere. Like, uh, people think, oh, where did that come from? But actually, typically, more often than not, uh, shank comes from someone who's living on the edge. They're hitting a lot of heel strikes already, 
and then suddenly then it's a millimetre or two differently, it catches the hosel and then it's 40 degrees off to the right-hand side for a right-hander. Right. But they've been hitting heels for months. They just haven't known it. And that's a problem, Andrew. <laughs> that's a big problem yeah. because they're giving up distance, they're giving up accuracy, they're giving up consistency. And then, obviously, as I said, they're living on the edge. So that shank, that shank is just is, is going to happen. It's just a matter of time. So lots of people... Sorry, I didn't mean to pause and yeah. just hold you in raptures there. <laughs> lots of people, amateurs, think they know how to fix shanks. So, yeah. I mean, I'm part of that epidemic. Okay. And I, but it, it's, it literally goes in waves. And I actually yes. know exactly why I do it. And I know right. when I'm going to do it. And I can tell you before a shot. I'll be interested to hear. Yeah. Uh, are you willing to share? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, if, go, go if, for it. I want to hear the, it. The, when I hit them, it's, I'm trying to keep, my, keep everything forward and then hit, the, keep the, hit it lower, push, it, push the ball much lower. Um, okay. off the club and so it's all like that and so, so you're talking about de-lofting the club or coming lower off the club face de-lofting the club okay. and so hands way forward yeah for whatever reason if it's mm-hmm. into the wind so you know when it's windy yes where i play it gets very windy you try and do that and then off it goes and also fast so fast with hands forward you, off it goes you're trying to swing faster I think so, because you're right. trying to push it harder and hit a low trajectory. Okay. Stinger, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Look, of course, everyone's different. Mm. But what was missing from that analogy is what the club actually did, which was move further away from you. Yeah. That's what happened, Andrew. The other things are just, <laughs> they're, they're the periphery. Yeah. The actual thing that happened was, okay, when I try to do this, the club moves away from me and then I hit the hosel. Right. So, okay. So your your different coaching style Absolutely. is literally to simplify, just to literally simplify. We've got out. to simplify it. We have to simplify it. It's way too com- complicated out there. It's too confusing. And the problem with a lot of technical instruction is that it can help one player and it's just useless for another. Yeah. Whereas if you're talking about the facts of what part of the club hit the golf ball. He's eyeballing me with his blue eyes as yeah. well. <laughs> like he's a doctor. To give me, a, I've got... Yeah, go on. Well, I've been called many things, but not a doctor. (laughs) I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. So if you still wanted to hit that stinger, so at the moment you're in a position, sounds like I can't hit the stinger because I don't trust it. I'm going to shank it. So if you wanted to hit that stinger, I would encourage you to try that. But instead of hitting it out the hosel, let's see if you can hit that stinger off the toe slightly. Hmm. 
I won't tell you how to do it. I'll just challenge you. I'll give you a task to do mm. and see if you can do that. And I'll, if it doesn't quite happen first time, then I'll help you with different ways, different drills to, uh, to get better at it. Yeah. So what we're talking about here is skill development, not technique. So a lot of people think, oh, well, Shank comes from having an open club face, presenting the hosel to the ball and all this sort of <sighs> never stuff. never thought so, about that. It's yeah, never lot even of, entered my mind. A lot of coaches will say that. Yeah. Or it comes from swinging over the top. Well, for one player it might. Yeah. But then I've got plenty of players who swing a lot from the inside that hit shanks. Yeah. So what's the cause of their shank? Their face is closed and they're not coming over the top. But the club head at impact is in the wrong place. So is the worst thing that we can do as amateurs is go, I'm shanking or I'm slicing or I'm hooking and then go online and look up how to stop hooking. <laughs> look, there's some good stuff out there. Mm. There is. Well, I, mean, you're, I mean, you're one of them. So, one of them. So, you know, you can't say no. <laughs> but unfortunately, there's just a lot of stuff out there that's not going to pertain to them. Mm. And that's the challenge with, with YouTube. And it's not just golf, of course. I mean, there's, there's Google Doctor, Dr. Google. You know, yeah. Who hasn't yeah. been, especially with, you know, we're all... Googling uh, how do we cope with COVID and all this sort of stuff. And there's some good stuff out there, but mm. there's a lot of bump. It really is. Mm. So it's a minefield. And I feel sorry for the amateur golfer because we as professionals, we're not connected well enough. There are too many different ways of doing things. But I guess that's the nature of the game. There's so many different ways of swinging a golf club effectively. Mm. It's just part of the course there's, there's going to be a lot of different styles of instruction out there what about the you know the standard things that we all grew up with that are still around going oh you lifted your head yep. you bunk them <laughs> doesn't happen so Gowie who I used to do yeah. the podcast with he would become quite irate like okay. quite irate like with <laughs> no it's no it's right. not lifting your head it's not lifting your head no. it's not he's right because uh, there are only a handful of players that I've ever seen lift their heads and generally they're good players like uh, Annika Sorenstam Henrik Stenson maybe it's a Swedish thing there's yeah. a young fellow that I used to coach that would not see the club hit the golf ball David Duval so uh, I used to play with a, a golfer a very good golfer who played in the open I used to work for him, a guy called Neil Burke uh, hi Neil if you if you hear this he would he went a whole season with his eyes closed hitting the driver he never missed one he was just trying to free himself up. So good players don't need to on see. On tour? He was no, not on tour. This okay. was after his tour game and you know, we, we had some sort of winter games that we used to play together. Just smackdowns, little scratch smackdowns. Guilford Alliance was called. It's probably still running. It's, yeah. it's, a, it's a pro-am sort of society in the winter. They play some great courses in the UK and it's good fun. So I, I played with Neil a few times in that and whole season he closed his eyes with the driver just trying to free things up. Yeah. And he always used to say to me, if I could have hit more fairways, I would have made more money on tour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but a good player doesn't need to see the club hit the ball. Can, can, you really, can anyone actually really see the club hit the ball? I mean, yeah. there's Yeah, we've all seen the club hit the golf ball. Yeah. But that's not to guarantee that it's going to come out the middle. Yeah. So which part sure. of the... Okay. Which part of the ball should you look at? So this is a wildly... Yeah, yeah. No, good question. Like, it's a really interesting... I'm... Personally, I... Don't look at a specific part of the golf ball. I just look at it as, okay, there's the ball. It's just like a whole fuzzy thing. thing. Yeah. Do you play in glasses? Uh, yes, oh, okay. I do. So I used say, to be contacts. But if you don't yeah, play if, it, if it wasn't... It would be a, fu- a, a fuzzy lot of thing my, down there. Well, no, a lot of my YouTube videos are without glasses on because yeah. I don't want the reflection and, yeah, yeah. and so on. So yeah. 
I'm there <laughs> recording on YouTube and I'm saying it's done this or done that. And I've no idea. I can't see it. Yeah. Okay. And I get down there. Okay. I might have to retake that one. It didn't do that at all. So a lot of it is to do with feel and it is, it's a big fuzzy white thing. That yeah. I actually hit it just as well with glasses off. Right. Because I've hit th- hundreds of thousands, thousands of golf of ball, balls. Yeah. I know where the ball is. It's not moving. It's not like tennis. No. I know where the ball is. I should know where the ball is. So you got a tennis racket and your brother got the golf clubs. Yeah. Could you have gone well with tennis? I tried. I was rubbish. Oh, okay, right. <laughs> and when cricket came in... Yeah, I was a decent cricketer. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, so, so what was it about golf that got you at 17? Uh, I think it was the freedom, the, the, the nature aspect of it. And so cricket or tennis or snooker or whatever, I've played lots of different sports. Mm. They've all got this set arena, whereas golf, it can be different is different every single time. I think that's the truly unique thing about golf that that, that got me to bite the well, it bit me the big, the bug bit me yeah. that way. Yeah. Are you a believer in luck? Uh yeah, I think it happens. Yeah. Like like are you a believer in that, that you have days where it's just the luck is with you and then days Yeah, where... I believe you can make your own luck. Yeah. But yeah, I I I believe that there's fortune out there for sure. Yeah, definitely. So uh, some days it's just not a lot you can do. You just get the yeah. bad bounces. It's not about whether you, you, you're a lucky player or an unlucky player. I don't believe in that. Yeah. It's how you, how you react to it. But there are definitely days when you just, you just go, well, gee whiz, if it had a literally bounced that yeah. way. No, like for sure. The top, on the- like they can lip out all day and lip in the next. And yeah. there's nothing you've done differently mentally, physically. It's definitely. Yeah. Okay, so back to lessons. Where do you yes. be, where do you begin with your um, with your clients? Uh, I ask a lot of questions, as I mentioned earlier. <clears throat> uh, I try to get an idea of what their concepts are. So, are they understanding a lot about, you know, as I said earlier, what part of the ball they're hitting, what part of the club they're hitting, what they're trying to do, and I ask them uh, what they're working on as well. And I just get them to hit a few shots, hit a few on video, and I ask them also what they want to achieve. Yeah. the lesson you know how do they want to improve what, what are they expecting right what's what's the so is the most common thing i want to hit it longer no no it's not no no definitely oh. not oh, i straight. mean a few yes but yeah. no consistency is number one okay and everyone obviously wants to bring the handicap down yeah no not everyone many yes but a lot of people aren't particularly competitive nine times literally it's that high percentage nine times out of ten someone wants to be consistent because they don't get that they can shoot 85 one day and then 95 the next. They can't cope with that. That's golf. That's golf. I mean, that's, we've got seriously, such, that's... And what they don't understand is we've got such small margins of error that that's going to happen. Yeah. And I say to them, look, what's Tiger Woods' best score? Is it about 60, 61? What's his worst score on tour? I don't, it's got to be like... 90? I think it's 80. No, I don't think he's ever had 90. I have, but I don't think he has. Yeah. I think he's had around 84. So there's a discrepancy of around 23 shots for the goat <laughs> now if he's got a 23 shot spread yeah. between his best and worst rounds alright so the conditions might have been a little mm. easier a little harder then why do you expect any tighter consistency than that okay so do you look at Tiger do you look at the the pros mm. and analyse their swings and, done, yeah. and see what and what is so good definitely and, and then how achievable is that body movement yeah it's to, not it's not no some parts are, but I like to really I simplify things. So I like to break down the big difference between an amateur golfer hitting a golf ball 
and a tour pro hitting a golf ball or two big differences one is they find the middle of the golf club much more often than an amateur golfer does so i'll get back to that in a sec but the other big thing is that their power comes from the ground whereas the amateur golfer comes from their shoulders and arms that's the big difference and that's why amateurs don't reach their distance potential they're just trying to hit it too hard it's all muscle uh, different for the ladies but generally guys yeah they're just trying to muscle it right so the kinetic chain the swing sequence it's all upside down they're not reaching their potential so they should be using their lower half their they've got to use legs the, and they've, their... they've got to initiate that that power output from the ground up from the legs and the hips has um DeChambeau changed your teaching at all no no because it's just pertains to a different type of golfer most of the golfers i coach and especially the people that watch my youtube videos are social golfers mid to high handicappers the low handicappers i don't think watch my youtube channel too much it's too simple for them I yeah think they're work, work, looking for complicated swing tips well, so that's interesting so should the better golfers be watching uh, looking for simplified methods of improving their game i think they need to do both i think uh, you know your, your your four handicapper needs to be working on a little bit of technique but they also need to practice their skill development. That's what I mentioned earlier. So that gets ignored. Practicing skill development and practicing more effectively can help any player from the new golfer to the tour pro. And tour pros do practice effectively. They, they have so much time on their hands that they get bored. So they do things like oh, nine windows. So they'll hit high fade, low draw, yeah. all with the same club. Amateurs don't do that. Why not? Why would you? What, it's too hard? Got to, we haven't got time. Uh, well, actually, so <laughs> they'll hit, uh, many amateur golfers will hit one, two, three clubs. They'll hit a quick 50 or 100 golf balls. They'll hit to the same target. They'll try the same shape. They'll try to hit it out in the middle of the golf club. There's no variety. Mm. Whereas when you, when you, so spending a half hour or an hour doing that or versus hitting nine golf balls with one golf club, just nine golf balls. Doesn't take long to hit nine golf balls. You're going to learn a lot more about your swing and how to control the club head from those nine golf shots than you will from hitting just 50. one type of shelf, yeah. golf shot 50 times. So you say you haven't got the time. Well, then I know, that's just, more important for the amateur golfer to have effective practice yeah. than just block practice because that's what that is. It's block practice. So, so then how do you... How do you how do you get that message across to say hit, hit nine balls and have your nine windows so three in the top, three in the middle, three down the bottom? I actually get them to do something like that. Maybe a simplified version. Let's just say one left, one right, one straight. Okay. And they can't do it. Yeah, but then what happens is they go, I'm guessing, I'm just guessing. Yeah, yeah. So if you've just, let, let's let's say the nine balls, right? Yes. And so they hit the first one. Which is hard. They, yeah. And it's they, super hard to do. Yeah. And they're going to hit it into the right-hand high window. Yeah. And they don't. They hit it into the they hit it left of the left-hand high low mm-hmm. window. That ball's gone. That shot's gone. Yes. And they'll spend the other eight balls trying to hit that same high window again. No, no, no. And not, I, the, the, so I do you know what? Right, we've had a go at that one. So yeah. I make them rotate. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. So the whole the whole idea of of practice effectively is just you get one go at a shot. Okay. Because that repetitive type of practice is useful. Everyone should have some sort of block practice. Mm. That's when you can work on something, work on technique. I do some block practice, some, not a lot, but some. Uh, it's just a portion of what's required. So practice needs to be, and the, the sports psychologists, this is not something I've invented. The sports psychologists say that your practice should be in three thirds. 
a third block practice, a third creative or variable or differential type practice, and a third competitive practice. And that's my favorite type of practice. Okay, so, what's so you're, you're scoring. On the range. Yeah, well, so you're nine, ball, nine windows. How many out of nine? How many windows do you hit? Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, on the range or on the putting green and the chipping green. Uh, there are loads of different putting games that you can come up with, of course. Um, I like one that I just go uh, 25 balls around from three, four, five, six, and seven feet, four different putts from different angles. So then you've got a score out of 20. 20 balls, not 25. Okay. Check my maths there. (laughs) Yeah, no worries. But the point is that you need to record your practice. So you get 15 out of 20 putts, you record it, and then try and beat it next time. If you're on the driving range with driver and you want want to get better with your driver, there's 10 golf balls, there's your driving, there's your fairway between the two blue posts. Make it tight fairway. Don't make it a Stonecutters Ridge fairway. Make it a a Monash fairway. (laughs) And uh, don't just hit straight ones hit three fades, hit three draws, hit four straight ones, mix it up, alternate, yeah. and see how many fairways you hit. So actually make it interesting for yourself. Make it interesting, make it because tough. It, yeah. Practice should be harder than out on the golf course. For most golfers, it's the opposite. So when they're chipping, they put it on a nice, perfect lie. Mm. Yeah, you've done that, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> Nearly everybody does. They want, yeah. they want to build some confidence. Oh. They want to hit some nice chips. and Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. whereas... You know, I'll, I'll, I'll get out there. If they do that, I'll just go and tread on it. Right. And go hit it now. <laughs> now play it. Now play it. Well, that's interesting. Sometimes, not all the time. Um, so what about the playing – what about the lessons from the really good players? Like you've mm-hmm. played with some Ryder Cup players. Yep. When you play with a really good golfer, do you what, – what do you learn from them? I really like watch their course management a lot. Because the swing technique, we've all got our own techniques, our own ways of swinging the golf club. So yeah. it would be pointless for me watching a great player and then try to emulate them because I'm built differently. Yeah, who have you good. played with? Um, so the two Ryder Cup players I've played with, one uh, was my first actual pro event. I played with Steve Richardson. Yeah. Lovely guy. Yeah. Great. He just showed me around and like we didn't play great. I think we had like three over or something like that. And I remember... Peter Little, it was on the Euro Pro Tour, uh, which is a mini tour slash PGA UK event type of thing. And uh, Jamie Little, Peter, Peter Little, Jamie's his son, Peter Little came up and he had a look at our scores and he said, you had that around there. And he was speaking to Rico. Right. Um, and I'm thinking, geez, I played all right. You know, we both had the same score. Yeah. Um, but yeah, super, super guy. Very nice. And, and that was in North Devon at Saunton Golf Club. It was, my, it was, I'd been in the country just a couple of weeks in the UK. So I turned pro in Australia, didn't have my card, needed something to play in, bumped into a British guy. He said, go to the UK, there's lots for you to play in. So I did that. And I, I had family over there to, to go and meet, you know, aunts and yeah. half brothers, sisters and things like that. So it was a chance to meet up with family that, that I didn't, had never met before. So my first event was in North Devon, 15, 16 degrees, sunny, no wind. I thought, this is okay. The UK is not that cold. I tell you, the next week, I'm over the other side of the country in Prince's. Practice round, same thing, 15 degrees, sunny, calm. This is fine. How good's England? I'm in short sleeves. I think I had a vest on coming from Australia. And then the next day, we, we played in the event, and it was five degrees. It was raining, it was pelting sideways. My I had a couple of bananas in my in my bag. I couldn't eat them. They were frozen solid. Wow. People were in trouble. Like even one of the guys, the Kent National uh, local, 
Prince's being in Kent, he was his fingers were cramped up. He was in trouble. It was that that right. cold. And I had this thin waterproof suit that I'd brought over. It was the, it was like a thousand dollars worth. Yeah, and it was it was useless. Right. So I got drenched. I couldn't feel my fingers. I couldn't feel my toes. It was a it was an eye opener. So is that a, go. were you going well? Well, what what were you thinking? Do I rush home? Do I go to a shop? Oh, no, no, no. Head down to army disposals and get a beanie? (laughs) I played with a guy who said, no, I'm toasty. I said, I can't believe this. So obviously I was completely underprepared and yeah, went out and got some thermals and a proper suit with fur-lined pockets and And better prepared And so why why not try Australia first? um... Uh, So I went to tour school here in Australia, missed by a shot. Uh, so I didn't get my card, had another go a few years later. Uh, so you lose amateur status when you try to turn pro. Uh, got my amateur status back, then had another crack, lost my amateur status again. Didn't get my card here in Australia, so just needed somewhere to play. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, and the season here is very short in Australia as well, mm. uh, globally. So you know, it's three, four months long. And so, yeah. Have clubs will travel as we okay. say, and yeah. so do you. Do you get as much out of teaching as you possibly would have got out of playing? Playing, it's more fun because there's less pressure. Yeah. So it's you know, travelling and and trying to play for your lunch. There's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of stress involved. Yeah. So it's yeah, I, I probably get more of a kick out of it now as as a coach. Okay. I still love to play. Yeah. I love to get out there. Um, but yeah, the the coaching's good. H- how would you prepare for your first? Uh, seniors or masters or um, I haven't really put much of a plan in action apart from the fact that I need to get fit right you I'm, look very I'm, fit I'm, no I'm skinny but I'm not fit okay uh, and do you mean so, do you mean physically fit or golf yeah, fit more golf fit mm-hmm. so more mobile stronger and my swing speed's dropped quite a lot just not because I'm older but just because of neglect yeah, yeah just so what's your swing speed now then uh, I think I clocked it at one twelve a little while ago, but that's like that's quite quick. Boots out, you know. I I can't take that on the golf course. That's my up end speed. Oh, okay. Typically, right. out on the golf course, I'm swinging probably about one hundred five. So, what should we be as for back to the amateur? What what should the amateur be trying to? We shouldn't be boots and all. I encourage golfers to swing boots out on the driving range to get their upper end speed up yeah. i mean that's one thing that we should have all learned from bryson and it's nothing new is if you want your on course swing speed to go up then you you boost up your boots out swing speed so that you can swing within yourself and still achieve higher club head speeds surely boots out is a fantastic brand name for something <laughs> <be>. isn't it <laughs> A great hat. I'm not much of a boots marketer, out. but no, yeah. I'm, I'm pretty I'm sure good. Could come up with something. I'm sure your wife could come up with something as yes. well. <laughs> um, all right. So before you um, leave the game, before anyone leaves the game of golf, what should they experience within it? Do you think what what should they You've got to enjoy it? Yeah, yeah. It's, there's got to be some acceptance there that we we can't hit every shot well. So if you can accept that you are going to hit some bad shots, and let's face it, everybody does. I mean, that's one of the things Jordan Spieth's great at. He can play rubbish for three or four holes and then run off a string of birdies and win a tournament because mm. he accepts that you know not every shot is, is going to come off the way the way you want it to. But if we can accept shots, then we can enjoy it a lot more, enjoy the surroundings. That's that's the main thing. It's a, it's a sport and it's fun and it's, it's leisure. So It's leisure. You, oh, my God, no one's ever said that. If you can't enjoy it, then... <laughs> 
Yeah, you should find something else yeah. to do. So is there a trick to acceptance then? Uh, you know, it's like for, the, for every club golfer, we I, all know someone I think who's you, literally going to... Explode. Kill themselves <laughs> with their something, you know, like they I, I think the, the secret to acceptance is to set yourself a, a process goal. So many goals are outcome-based. They want to shoot 35 points or whatever, whatever. If, if a golfer can set themselves a process goal, now that process might be to improve their balance or to have a consistent pre-shot routine or to visualize the shot beforehand or to accept the shot for what it is afterwards. So yeah. whatever they want to achieve and get better at process-wise will help their scores because they're worried less about their score, but it's going to help them to enjoy their game as well. Okay. And again, yeah. finally, just that pre-shot, that time standing over the ball. Yeah. 15 seconds is plenty. Is plenty. Yeah, yeah. I used to be a lot slower and I've, I've learnt that, you know, speeding it up a little bit, reducing the, the thought process, just pick your target, set up to the golf ball and, and pull that trigger. You'll, you'll play better. It's you great will. advice. Glenn Haynes, <laughs> what a pleasure to meet you and talk to you. Thanks very much for your time. Thank you so much for having me, Andrew. So that's Glenn Haynes. Just brilliant. I mean, what a great spin on the game. You can find him and his YouTube channel at Aussie Golf Pros. Just Google at Aussie Golf Pros and there'll be something in your game there, certainly, regardless of the level of golfer that you are. And it was um, it was a nice chance to get up to Monash and, and see where he plies his trade. Uh, next time on Golf the Podcast, oh, I don't know where we're going. But wherever it is, there's going to be a little white ball that could change colours. See you soon. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 